We are back in the third hour on this October 19th, 2011 broadcast. Again, I'm Aaron Dyke sitting in until Alex is back tomorrow. Uh, but we are now joined by Alan Watt. He's a long-term researcher of really the true causes behind the various global changes going on and really has a sharp analysis of the unifying agenda behind it all. Uh, he's also a bit of a renaissance man. He's done music, poetry, philosophy, uh, written books, and many other items. Uh, Alan, thanks for joining us, and welcome to the program. Yes, a pleasure to be back. Now, Alan, uh, we've seen so much happening with the Occupy Wall Street movement itself. Uh, in many ways, a diverse group. We've seen even many protesters targeting the Federal Reserve and other sort of uh, heart-of-the-beast uh, systems, but at the same time, we've seen left-leaning democratic factions trying to absorb that energy, trying to steer it back into the left-right paradigm of the main establishment, just as it happened with the Tea Party. Uh, so we wanted to today really have you break down how they trigger revolutions, how they steer them, how they see them coming, and uh, how they help direct uh, what the eventual outcome will be. Mm -hmm. Well, it's all to do with geopolitics. And a world agenda, a planned agenda, planned a long time ago, and many of the big leaders over the years have gone through this agenda. They've, uh, they've published books on it. They've, uh, the think tanks, they have openly declared their objectives. Uh, we find that they never sleep, by the way. They never sleep their 24 hours per day because they have shifts in the big think tanks. And they work full time on bringing in a system of government for the world, and it's to, it's, this, is the, this is the age, actually, they call this the age of world managers. And we have been managed for quite some time as they privatize everything off in this semi, this is kind of public-private partnership deal. And uh, the system we're going into now is simply the transformation into the culmination of a worldwide system under, really, the United Nations. And that's what they're calling for now, you'll notice, too. They're calling for world governance uh, and to be under, uh, and actually officially under the United Nations, which actually technically it is, because all laws have been coming through the United Nations for an awful lot of years across the whole world, right down to your building codes. So um, we're, we're simply going through the transformation uh, phases. Right now, too, um, it's like wars. These massive demonstrations uh, have the same effect as, as a war. It changes society. You understand the most, most of the general public are passive viewers. They're not participants in anything. And uh, to, to change society and to get them to go along with it, you must convince everyone of the necessity of it, either through warfare or because of gross dissatisfaction amongst what appears to be on television massive factions of society, because it's them that you have to convince for the changes that are coming in. And believe you me, this is all part of the soft power technique that Brzezinski and Kissinger and the United Nations and many other think tanks have been using for years. They always start off with, with soft power. They've said that in the Middle East they would use um, soft power, and sometimes increasing into hard military power when required, which we've, we've watched over the last year or two. So uh, it's our turn now to go through the same transformation into the, the planned society. The big bankers at the top, the ones who are international moneylenders, have always used geopolitics. They don't sit and wait for something to happen in the future. They plan the future. And they favor what's called socialism because it's big government. And big government always borrows from them. And uh, big government also can keep tabs on the general public and keep them under control when necessary. 
The trick in big government is to bring in socialism and make the people think it's actually theirs for the first time. It's a fairer, juster, kinder, etc., etc. The stuff that Tony Blair used to spout out as he was taught to do so well by his trainers as well. So you're seeing it happening in America too because it's a global system. Okay, Alan, Uh, hold that thought. We are just getting started on Alan's breakdown. We'll be back on the other side of the break. Infowars.com. Stay with us. But right now we are joined by Alan Watt, uh, really one of the most well-researched and uh, deeply understood um, people who have analyzed what's going on in the global system behind what seems to be uh, unrelated events going on in the world. Now, Alan, we have the planned economic crisis. They knew it was coming. Uh, they hedged their bets against it after abusing the system for decades. And now there's sort of this righteous anger that's brewed up, first in the Middle East, uh, in various parts of Europe, and now it's hitting home in America. Uh, help us understand what has been going on behind the scenes of all this. Well, what you've had for years, actually, under the guise of, again, public-private partnerships are, are really just a, a monopoly, a conglomerate of uh, people into energy, taking the energy resources of the world. Now, remember, too, the Council on Foreign Relations, for an example, uh, and the Royal Institute of International Affairs had their roots in the Milner Group, it was called at the time, International Financiers. These guys lent to nations, and they created this organization. And their plan was to take over all the resources of the world, all energy, all resources, food, water, uh, and everything that you need for it to live, basically, and bring in a planned world system, an economy uh, which would be worldwide, using a socialist-type um, system to, to control the populace of the entire globe. These are the guys who designed the free trade deals. They wanted all the barriers brought down. Of course, they wouldn't lose money for the nations in the meantime because they would replace it with a value-added tax, or in the case of Canada, a general sales tax. And uh, and at the same time, they would do away with borders uh, gradually, uh, split the world into regions, and have the free flow of goods and labor. And therefore, multicultural uh, multiculturalism was a big, big part of their agenda too. And so the the guy who was the Tony Blair's right-hand man and the, the vice the prime minister basically admitted that in the British newspapers that Blair had told him that the agenda was to completely uh, open the floodgates to Britain to the most diverse cultures in order to destroy the culture of Britain forever. That was to go by the wayside. That ties in with the educational system, uh, the Frankfurt School, John Dewey. John Dewey said eventually we'll eradicate all conflicting history where people um, had old grievances with neighbours, etc. That's already been done, actually, under the European Union. They're eliminating history prior to uh, World War I, basically. And uh, it's taught in schools now. Nothing happened before it. It's like it's like uh, Cambodia when they started off with year one from when they took over. It's very, very similar. So we're seeing a new world order, and this is what it's all about. It's a world order where the, only a few big uh, international corporations own supplies of the world. They're still going after the last parts of the resources, the, the, the gas. Uh, Uganda, for instance, is one of the world's largest uh, oil, untapped oil fields under, underneath there, plus cobalt and gas, natural gas as well, which they want for this East African Federation. And that's why that's so strategically important to, to get in there and get them conquered as well. So uh, it's, it's all about resources because these boys at the top plan this world's uh, planned economy, planned society, right down to how many 
many people will, will be allowed to have children, etc. And they use China as a model state to copy one, one child per parent or parents, depending on how you look at it today, um, etc. And also they want to plan you from birth to death, what you will do, what you'll work at. You'll be tested scientifically for your abilities and it'll be schooled to work only more perfected. It's a, it's a more perfected version of, of the laboratory that was the Soviet Union which they also funded the same big, big uh, international organizations. So we're going through the same thing here. And they must convince the Americans at home uh, that it's necessary that we have this particular change. And that's what the hype was about in the last century in academia, because academia was brought on board um, very early on. Uh, the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, Lord Bertrand Russell, all the big boys who helped plan this present time we're living in right now, and the cultures that we're going through, the, the changes, these guys said we'd bring academia on board because they will train the future world managers. So forget the ones beneath them, the working class, go for the managerials uh, classes, and they'll be on board with us. Well, they've done that in academia uh, in cahoots with uh, this new expert-driven uh, world governance will run your life in a scientific fashion, a scientific dictatorship, actually. It was called by the first United Nations, UNESCO, CEO, and that was um, Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley. So this is what we're going through now, the big changes towards their goal into a planned economy. And they're even using energy, which was planned back in the 1920s and 1930s under Technocracy Inc. It was a, a new theory uh, put out by the same boys, by the way, um, Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute of International Affairs to take over the world's energy supplies. And really all money was was a, a unit that they would uh, use against the value of energy units. And eventually they'd be replaced by energy units. Well, we have carbon taxes, carbon units coming in right now. And eventually it will be how much it costs in, in energy units to keep you as an individual alive. alive. So this is the actual whole uh, conglomerate of the Fabian Society, which was just a left-wing part of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, backed by multi-billionaires. I mean, the Astor family helped kick it off and fund it. And um, the big bankers, of course, creating the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations. And they have branches across the entire planet. And George Soros, in fact, is the CEO of the Europe, for the one for the whole of the European Parliament group. Uh, he's the head of that. So it's the same organization across the world. You've got them in India, in Africa, uh, all the, Australia, all the British Commonwealth countries have their memberships. And this is the, the planned system that's taken them over 100 years to achieve. We're going through parts of the stages right now. Yeah, I really had to back you up when you trace the history of anyone. For example, the Rockefeller Foundation, it's hard to find where they deviate from that Cecil Rhodes roundtable group uh, that have steered off into so many of the entities you mentioned. Uh, but help bring us up to speed of how they saw the current revolutions coming and, and how they prepared for it and where they plan to take it as part of their larger world government takeover. Mm -hmm. oh, they, well, number one, they always know there's going to be a backlash. Uh, whenever they do something, but it's a plan, it's a cooperated, I call it cooperation and backlash, because um, they, they, remember these guys run the big uh, far left groups, they run and finance them, in, fa in fact your own governments have been financing them for the last 50 years, <laughs> the same organizations. They'll get tax funded and foundation funded. So uh, this is the, the, the ones that they, they, they simply trot out on cue, 
uh, to bring in uh, a juster, fairer uh, globalism, actually. If you look at most of these protesters, it isn't just about America. In fact, America is at the bottom of the list. It's about a fairer globalism and a world governance under the United Nations for all workers of the world, etc., etc. Um, I understand, to the strategy of their owners, because uh, those who own the world, basically, must keep the working classes uh, under control and make them think they're going to get something out of this, uh, which is like the Soviet system. They always make sure that you'll, you think you're going to get something out of it for yourselves, a, a juster, fairer, kinder society. But in reality, the, the, the world is planned to go under communitarianism. Britain is a flagship, as you know. Um, you have these NGOs already created that are coming in as, and, and just appointing themselves as leaders of your communities. One's for energy consumption, one's for uh, wastage disposal. Uh, you've got NGO leaders for, for your environmental, for your area. Uh, they just happen to be there. They're already trained. And uh, this is uh, the perfect Soviet. Soviet meant ruled by councils. And councils in the, the Soviet Union uh, were non-governmental organizations. And, uh, of course, their leaders were appointed by the KGB and the Politburo. And in the West, they're appointed again by uh, the shadow government, as, as you, if you might call it that. So it's the same system, only more perfected, and that's what they're, they're actually calling it in some quarters. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. And the same group that creates the crisis, of course, uh, typically brings the solution. That's the whole formula at hand. Um, so how do they how do they predict the timing of these kind of they see these revolutions coming and happen with the Arab Spring, but they know we know it was something they were developing for years, Alan. Yes. Well, absolutely. They've been working on Africa for an awful long time. And um uh, Mandela's in it too, he's part, of, he wants an, an African Union. And of course what they've really decided to do is initially started off with regional parts of Africa, uh, unions for each one of them. The United Nations is heavily involved. In fact, all of the Western councillors and, and bureaucracies are heavily involved too, setting up your State Department's heavily involved too. So uh, they want these regions, and it's all again to do with uh, free trade, um, allowing the big mega corporations in to take control of all energy that, that, and, and mineral resources, everything they can get out of those countries under the guise of sharing it to the world, the wealth of the world, etc. In really, it's all to pass through the masters of the world who already own the wealth of the world and, make, and really consolidate their power over all, all goods, etc., all, all necessities of life. And um, all they have to do in the meantime is knock down the, the petty dictators they've already put in for a certain phase who, who, who've now served their purpose and are getting too comfortable in their seats. They don't really want to part and leave the throne and uh, into a, a no more open society. So they simply get rid of them instead. Um, actually, the wars are very, very good for that because they can accomplish so much in time of war. But when you go into the Middle Eastern situation, it was very interesting that years ago Kissinger uh, and Brzezinski, when they were asked their opinion about what to do with the Middle East. Yeah, Alan, uh, let's, we've got to hit that when we get on the other side of this break. We're being cut off again by that, but we're going to get into the war, the agendas, and where things are going from here. Stay tuned, Infowars.com. Alan Watt riding with us till the end of this hour. Alan, you were just getting into some of the factors in the Middle East, bringing up Brzezinski and Kissinger. Uh, if you could please continue. 
Yeah, the, the agenda for the Middle East was complete destabilization. They wanted to, to destabilize uh, the countries. It makes it easier for the big boys to go in, which they did, of course, um, smash the infrastructure, get the taxpayers of America and Britain and elsewhere to build uh, brand new refineries. To, they said the old ones were inadequate. And uh, we did, and then they auctioned them off. Actually, they gave them away to the big corporations. That was published in mainstream. So it's much easier to, to have uh, control in an area when uh, technically it's destabilized because you can bribe the local little gangs that form or sides that form when you, when you break up, especially Muslims, against different sections, different factions. And uh, that's exactly what Kissinger and Brzezinski said. They'd like to do long-term destabilization, and that, that way the big corporations with private armies can, can basically draw the oil and, and excess, excess stuff out of there for free basically, very little money at all. Whereas if you have a strong government to deal with, you have to go through regular channels and pay a good, a good rate of return, etc., for the oil. So that, that's happened, and they'll keep it destabilized for an awful long time. And also, too, uh, they've actually said that in the Council on Foreign Relations, they must keep that whole region safe for Israel. That's a big, big part of it. It's out in the open. It's to keep it safe for Israel. There will be no other superpower in that area. And we see the same thing with, with Egypt. One of the prime ministers of Israel said years ago, he said, if we can get Egypt, then that's the jewel. He says, that, that's the jewel that, that we're after. That would be the jewel in their crown, basically, getting Egypt, control of Egypt. Very strategic point for them as well. And so they've, they've achieved goal after goal after goal with cooperation from the U.S. Uh, and the military uh, doing all the work and paying all the cash for it, basically. So... There's different uh, geopolitical strategies, but the main thing is to keep them destabilized for an awful long time to come, almost into a, a third world status in many cases. And that's what we see happening right now. Yeah, and obviously for a power that doesn't belong in the region to project its force, you have to kind of implement destabilization, get the different factions fighting with each other. Otherwise, they will have too much stability, and then you can't uh, interject with the various yeah, energy powers, as you say, and the rest of it. Yes, and, and, and you've got to realize, too, this is a very old uh, policy and tactic because Britain was using the exact same tactic when India was a conglomeration of small princedoms, basically, and Britain united it by getting all the factions fighting each other for a long time, and they'd play them all, all off against each other, and eventually, over time, when it was, when it was right to do, uh, they'd consolidate different sides and bring them into a, a bigger region, and then the, the next region, until they had the whole of India united under their, their own particular rule. So they might be, in, be doing this for the next 50, 60 years in the Middle East, at least, yeah. Well, they did that in so many places for so many hundreds of years. They coined yeah. it the great game. It's all technique. It's well understood. And they finance all sides. Uh, the, the problem in a moneyed system is that you can always get uh, people within any faction, any group, uh, to turn on their own people and, uh, and be a, a spy or a provocateur. And therefore, you can always funnel money into the, the sides that are fighting each other, uh, but only to a few people who are in the know, who keep it all going, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, and obviously it's far too easy to buy out a leader at the top, uh, although we seem to fall for it time and again, regardless of country or context. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So on the other side, we want to get into uh, the Iranian war, where things are headed with all the provocations 
and so many of the other events that are going on. I also want to bring up some of uh, Brzezinski's book, Between Two Ages. He really talks about how under the emerging global government, uh, you have the illusion that states are the real players, but really it's multi-million dollar international corporations, the banks, and the other interests behind it. He talks about how even organized crime becomes part of the system because it's preferable uh, to chaos. And he also talks about how third world conflict uh, is just routine, really, to be expected, part of the larger development, Alan. Uh, I'm sure you could speak to that as well. We are back once again at Infowars.com. I'm Aaron Dykes sitting in until Alex is back tomorrow. Our guest is still Alan Watt. He joins us for the rest of the hour, a long-term researcher into their long-term strategy, long as in 50, 100-year, and even longer intervals. But we also want to talk about current events, uh, where the current Occupy Wall Street movement is going, and what kind of legislation will be piggybacked on their energy um, but before the break, I brought up some of Brzezinski's quotes, just really talking about how third world conflict, organized crime, and all the rest of it is really routinized as even states are really just chess pieces for the multi-million dollar international corporations, major banks, financial institutions, and the rest of it, as Brzezinski puts it in his 1970s Between Two Ages book. Uh, Alan, can you speak to those issues? Yeah, and we see this is actually what's happening right now. Of course, it's a, as I say, the whole idea of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, was to bring the world through a series of conflicts in order to take over the, all energy supplies, all, everything vital for human sustainment, basically, um, or containment, or, or even continue, continuous uh, ability. Uh, has to be taken over and owned by a conglomeration, a world conglomeration. And we're seeing that right now as they destabilize um, other countries and do the same with them one after another using the soft power. But you're quite right there with uh, using organized crime. Uh, they've always used org- organized crime. In fact, the latest Department of Defense from the think tank department that works for NATO and Britain um, came out with their uh, uh, report for the year. It's very similar to last year, or the last, or 2007 report was the last one they gave out. And these are the guys who said that the world to come for a while will be, um, one of conflict everywhere, uh, and as they bring, as they basically these third world countries are brought under, uh, the control of the global governance system. And, uh, and the big corporations go in to seize again the resources, all natural resources, uh, from those countries and take ownership of them. And you understand, that and I also said too, uh, that the distinction, as you mentioned there, but gangsters, etc., I said the distinction between organized crime and legitimate government will, will be very blurred. And it already has been for quite some time. For instance, the United States has, has been training for the last few years mercenaries from all over Latin America and elsewhere, training them in the United States, like the old School of America's idea, and sending them in as assassins into Mexico. And so you have these organized, militarized assassination squads in Mexico right now, and you don't know if it's the drug gangs who are assassinating people and putting the bodies out in the streets, a warning, or if it's actually these mercenaries the U.S. Has, is using. And because if they don't use the mercenaries right now to, to take out all the gangs in Mexico, they're going to have to send in the military. And people within Mexico know that. It will never be resolved from within. It will have to be another an invasion from without uh, if these 
particular mercenary gangs don't work. So it's uh, it's quite an interesting time to to be watching all of this happening as they really move forward because the agenda has a timetable, and these guys are obsessed with timetables. Uh, and even in, the, in strategic strength, uh, trends, the, again, the report they put out recently, they talk about their timetables stretching up now to the year 2050. And uh, it's got everything in it, world depopulation, uh, how much it will plummet in China, elsewhere, etc., uh, and how they must fulfill the Millennium Goals, the Agenda 21 Goals, uh, and really ram them through. With the, with the animal corridors, human corridors, etc. We already have that happening back home. We have, uh, again, even here we have communitarianism in Canada and America. Uh, you have these self-appointed panels, green panels, uh, right down to your, city, your, your town councils. They have them appointed to them as well. You can't do anything at all in property without getting advice or f- paying a fee for an eco-impact, etc. So we're already seeing the emergence of this whole new Change society, time for change. Getting back to academia, when they brought academia on board, that was a, that was a buzzword used in academia for the last 50 years. That the 21st century was be, would be the century of change, and that's why they gave that mantra to Obama to give out uh, change. Change is good. They simply never told those uh, in, in the dark what it actually meant. <laughs> Well, we're seeing what it really means. It's the the emergence of a world order, the planned society. And any planned society, they planned, they're not going to let the workers run it. Never let that happen. They give the appearance of a, a more orderly worker society. And it will be ordered. You'll be weighed from birth right through your whole life to see how much you're eating, for instance, that kind of stuff. But they've always got to have a leisure class. For what they call progress, you've always got to have a leisure class. Therefore, you'll have a very high elite paid class of professional people working in their think tanks. You'll be funding them all. And they will be basically planning the future for the world. That's their lovely utopia that they hope to bring in. And I don't see why they can't because they've achieved so many objectives right now. Um, and we forget all the time how many changes have brought in, as I say, right down to your local council uh, by appointing themselves over as an over uh, bureau, basically, to every little town council, to, to, to the federal level and provincial in Canada, up to up to the federal government. So it's it's all there. The the the, the basic um, blueprint is all in position. All the all the players are there, and all they have to get now is more and more power over the general population. If Britain is as a flagship, a, a, a trial balloon for the whole world to follow, is so far ahead now where everyone is policed from a thousand different sources on a daily basis, uh, from your garbage pickup to, to how you, 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 you take your children to school, how do, how do you interact with your children. It is complete socialist planned scientific society they're bringing in. And America, after it's finished off uh, the unification of the Americas and finished off its job in the Middle East, has to emulate that exact same society. For The, the whole world has to do it, in fact. And then will be tax on energy units, consumption, etc. Austerity for those at the bottom, a very high living for those at the top who are the world managers. And that, that's the whole game plan. Yeah. yeah, just to go back to what you said about the Mexican drug gangs and the CIA-trained assassination squads, there's really no uh, doubt that those people are being used for the purpose you describe. But also, they're using the drug gang thing to advance the perimeter, the North American security perimeter, even as they have this kind of Iran-Contra-style Fast and Furious scandal unfolding. 
Yes. Uh, as you know, too, uh, the Department of Homeland Security took over basically the perimeter of the United States. And they started with 50 miles, now they're into 100 miles around the coastline, right inland, etc., and from the Canadian border southwards. And uh, they want to do the same thing. Uh, a few years ago in the paper, they wanted the whole of the Americas to have this organization. They called it Fortress America. And that's when the Prime Minister of Canada and the U.S. President and one of Mexico met together in a few Latin American countries. And they drew up a map and they wanted to actually bring in Fortress America with uh, a homeland security uh, all, all along the Canadian border. That's a coastline, a whole lot, right down through Latin America and back up again. So... Uh, they're using every crisis for, for complete amalgamation. And, by the way, the Council on Foreign Relations has said in Canada, we are using this financial crisis for deeper integration. That means, that means merging with the United States of America. That's been in the open here. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure. And getting back into the Occupy Wall Street uh, formation of that global revolution, uh, what do you see happening? Because obviously there's a lot of grassroots energy, people upset about general economic conditions, but not a lot of specifics. And it's really pretty textbook that if you don't have an energy that's inside of what's already been established inside the left-right paradigm, you can either A, disrupt it, or more easily you can vent that anger, give them a certain pleasure that they're being spoken to and heard Mm -hmm. uh, while co-opting it, Alan. Uh, so what yeah. direction do you see this going? Well, we're already told where they're going because in one of the first World Trade Organization meetings they had and publicized, uh, they showed you uh, a little uh, interview inside uh, the meeting. They were looking down at the protests, as, as they always do from their ivory towers, and they said we'll have to eventually over the years bring the leaders in on board with our panel discussions and make them part of it. Well, they've been doing that for years now, since then. And uh, we, we know, for instance, we've watched appointees of Obama's specialists uh, on his panels, unelected people who are now experts, these uh, science czars, etc., uh, who are all really into sociology and in family planning and depopulation. Uh, well, every country is doing the same. Britain has its, its version of them, too. So does Canada with their appointees now. as many appointees almost at the top as, as elected people. And uh, these are representatives of unions and everything else. And if you notice even uh, that some of the, uh, the organizations in the Occupy Wall Street, Street you find is backed by the AFSCME, uh, the AFL-CIO, uh, the labor union. And, and, people, and uh, these organizations, and the present Gerald uh, McIntyre is a co-founder and chairman uh, of the Board for Economic Policy Institute. He's one of the leaders now at Wall Street there. And he also helped pass the Obamacare. So they're already on board these panels in the, the U.S. government and also uh, members of these unions down below. They're, they're both, you see, and there's quite a few of them like that. Uh, yet there's also Robert Johnson, who serves as the managing director of the Soros Fund Management. And he also worked at the chief, uh, chief economist for the Senate Banking and Budget Committee. He's down there, too, uh, leading the, the, the thing against Wall Street, the charge against Wall Street. So they already have these guys on board with government and all these organizations. And they're also part of these uh, uh, supposedly left-wing socialist organizations for world governments or governance, they call it. Uh, Lawrence Mitch- Mitchell as well. He was the Economic Policy Institute's president, uh, a long-time member of Democratic Socialists of America, and uh, he's also in it too. So all these big boys are in on the Wall Street thing while they also work with these big foundations that that work with uh, Obama and government as well. So it's government leading what appears to be uh, a a revolt of the people. (laughs) 
We've seen a big hype for war with Iran uh, with this phony assassination plot taking place last week, uh, really paper thin, despite what the headlines would lead you to believe. Now there's other incidents. There's a guy on a plane that landed in Texas who is screaming uh, in Arabic and then how everyone was going to die. Now you've got these Muslims busted at a Texas courthouse who uh, I believe they had blueprints and there was a bomb scare or something. Are they preparing for something, Alan? Oh yeah, I mean, from the 90s they've been preparing for it in fact because uh, we know that the New American Century uh, group uh, published a list of countries they had to take out and they wanted to start with Afghanistan, Iraq and then it would be a toss-up between Syria or Iran to follow. Uh, they mentioned Egypt as well and eventually North Korea. But uh, the main ones were in the Middle East. So of what, and, and we see that Rumsfeld and Cheney have both congratulated Obama for continuing their policy of taking over those, those countries. Now the New American Century Group under Bush called it revolutionary democracy. In other words, you invade and force democracy upon them. And, uh, we, we, and now we're seeing this group here using the color revolutions followed by hard power military power, which is exactly again what the think tank for the military said they'd do. And they published their findings. Uh, I've got them all up on my website, all their, all their different uh, think tank reports. So we're, we're, they're following the, the, the agenda they said that they'd follow back in the 90s. And it's, Jefferson said it, when you say the, the same policies, the same policies uh, uh, follow from changes in house between one to the next house, then you know you're under tyranny. You're not under diff- a different government, a different party. It's the same organization running the same policies. And that's what you, you're seeing. Yeah. Continuation. Yeah, certainly, if you want to call it a black ops network or whatever. And now you even have reports like Paul Watson's from today on the State Department agitator uh, who was part of the Egypt Arab Spring, uh, backed by the State Department. Now he's advising the Occupy Wall Street movement, Alan. Yes, like the ones that just read off too. They, they, these guys are are all members uh, and, and working with the government, and they also run some of the largest uh, socialist organizations of America, you know. I don't realize, I don't know if Americans realize that the Socialist International, uh, how big and powerful they are, and that the British Labour government uh, kick, uh, kicks off its annual meeting, and they finish their annual meeting, and they sing the red flag. Did they know that? Tony Blair, I've got videos about Tony Blair and all the big boys for, who were in charge of Britain, when, and they were singing, we'll keep the red flag flying high. They don't understand that Sarkozy, all the people across the world, right through into the United Nations, are members of this organization, including the ones in America. And that's what they sing at their annual meetings. And the press generally doesn't bother reporting that part, but in Britain, uh, some people have. And they've filmed it and documented it. As a side note, I've seen a lot of these trendy bars popping up here in town in Austin uh, with the communist uh, hammer and sickle on the logo. But, yes. Uh, <laughs> just goes yeah. to show. Mm-hmm. So the dialectics, remember, Hegel pointed out the dialectic and how you always use opposing sides to bring out the new. And what you also do under, under the Marxist uh, program, basically, is that uh, each generation of Marxists must be more radical than the previous one. 
And in fact, they put the right to eliminate physically, if need be, uh, the older ones who are still contaminated with the old ideas. And today we're seeing uh, the younger ones who have the, the fresh group, the fresh crop, they're freshly trained in university because that's where all the leaders come from. They're all trained by professional uh, um, professors to agitate for the new system, a, a, a better, a more fairer world of justice, etc. But, of course, with world managers like themselves living high in the hog, because, I say, as I said, you have to have an intelligentsia class and a leisure class to help plan the future. So, uh, yeah, this is really the Marxist agenda. And that's why um, the Marxism was, was, fun, was founded basically in London. There were, uh, Marx was funded by uh, one of the biggest uh, factory owners in, in the whole of Europe. He wasn't a poor little guy, he had his own personal servant and all the rest of it. And um, they've used this dialectic for all, all, since then because the bankers prefer um, socialist governments because, as I say, there's a layer of government for every facet of humanity. It's total control over humanity is what it is. Yeah, and maybe on the other side of the break here in the last segment, we could talk about how Al Gore, who is part of the Arm and Hammer Empire, uh, who backed the Soviet Union, uh, called yes. for this American version of the Arab Spring about three weeks before it popped up, Alan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or your comments now as we go out to break here. Oh, yeah. I mean, Arm and Hammer, again, he, his father changed his name to be the Arm and Hammer that you see on the, the British Communist site and the British Freemason site, by the way. They use the Arm and Hammer instead of the Compton Square. And um, that's where he changed his name to actually be a Soviet, the epitome of the Sovietism, basically. A uh, multimillionaire. And he had an apartment next to Lenin and then Stalin. And he could come back and forth during the whole war, the Cold War, Arm and Hammer. Uh, no one stopped him, bothered him, uh, or asked him what he was up to and helped organize the far left in America. The big boys all knew what they were doing. Uh, the big bankers all knew what it was up about because it's part of the agenda. They must merge the two systems together to bring out the, the synthesis, the next part, the next part, the new world order, this new system. Final segment with Alan Watt coming up on the other side of this break. We are in the final segment with our guest, Alan Watt. He's covered really the spectrum here of the long-term strategy. The rebroadcast is coming up with Alex Jones, Paul Joseph Watson, Webster Tarpley, and Alan Watt, of course. Uh, but, Alan, in these final few minutes, uh, in addition to anything you want to bring up, I would just like to point out that, obviously, the elections are totally controlled, really have always been a farce. But at the same time, the Democratic Party is looking to co-op the energy of Occupy movements every Everywhere. They have plans for new taxes. Uh, the puppets on the right also have their plans for fresh taxes. How will this energy be used, and what do we make of people like Al Gore calling for an American Arab Spring, Alan? Well, you, you're going to see more, more and more uh, uh, private uh, people, from, uh, really from the, the, these labor organizations, or the, the ones who run them or control them or agitate them, more and more of those guys brought on board for government policy, just appointees, again, for, on behalf of the workers, as I'll tell you. And, uh, but in reality, they're, they're professionally um, trained and run by the big boys who, who run the policy institutes, etc. So uh, it's... Um, 
it's time for a change to say and make the people think they have more representation, etc. And there'll be a lot of show in government as they yell at each other once in a while, but there's nothing but show. You're going into a planned society. You're already into a global society, and so many treaties have been signed over the last 50 years to bind it all together so that you can't just pull out and, and continue. We are now dependent on outside uh, sources to even uh, eat nowadays. And most of the food being imported from elsewhere. They made sure that all the farms were destroyed. That was part of the destruction of the farms by government policies and interference with the EPA and, and, and various other agencies, all to get rid of being independent. Independence must be destroyed for a global society. And uh, all the right-wingers as well have been parroting interdependence uh, from the days of Maggie Thatcher onwards. So, uh, believe you me, they're all in on the same deal at the top. There's no other whit of difference between them. You can't work your way up into politics and be vetted and okayed and, and be completely ignorant of the big uh, agenda, the big goal at the end of it all. You cannot, it cannot happen. And um, I, I gave up on this left-wing, right-wing strategy a long time ago. I knew it was a con. Uh, I've seen it happen in other countries, too, various countries across Europe. I see I saw all the cons being played. It's been played in America to the very, very end, of course, because most Americans know darn well that they've just signed another free trade deal, one of the biggest ones, with uh, various Latin American countries. That's a one-way street for trade. It's all imports into America and subsidizing those countries to come up to first world status. We're going to pay out, pay out, pay out. That's part of the redistribution of wealth that they they were talking about. Um, So uh, it's a one-way deal. America has to come down into austerity one way or another. And uh, they've set up the whole game board for that to happen. When you can't feed yourself, to be honest with you, uh, you're in trouble. That's that's a very basic thing, very basic thing. And when you d- we're totally total dependent now on on uh, electricity, power, energy of all kinds, and they want to have a world grid system. They're building it now, where literally you'll have a world power supply company that will feed it to each region, and they'll decide on, on how much you'll get that day or that week. And that's the, the planned system of the future. Be very expensive even for a, a day's worth of it, in fact. So the companies aren't losing money by giving you less. And we're being set up with smart meters, smart grids, all for that system. But they actually have maps up of the world grid system at the United Nations and elsewhere. Uh, so we're, we're, we're well along the road to it, and we're still talking in a, in a almost um, a 19th century paradigm about politics and left and right. We're way past that point. Okay, Alan, we'll leave it there. We really appreciate you joining us once again and always appreciate your insights.